You're listening to audio from Grove Park Baptist Church. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.groveparkchurch.net. The Great Seal of the United States has from its inception in 1782 contained the Latin phrase e pluribus unum. It means from many one. I can't think of a better phrase for our multicultural nation than that. From many one. I think though that it's an even better descriptor for the church. For truly Christ's bride is composed of people from every nation, every language, every race, every age group, every socioeconomic group, every possible qualifier that you and I can come up with in which to put people in a particular box, Christ Church contains them. Each person coming together as one in their own uniqueness to serve Christ. However, there's a problem. The problem is too often you and I forget that. Too often you and I forget that we all come together as one. It's something I feel that the psalmist is painfully aware of this morning. Notice with me verse number one. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Behold. We've already talked about how this is something that is supposed to grab our attention. It's uh, to point out a novelty. And here on the precipice of them going back to their homes where normally they would fight with one another. Remember back the story of Jephthah and fighting the Ephraimites in Judges chapter 12. They are reminded of the beauty of unity that they have experienced while worshiping together in Jerusalem. Behold, how good and pleasant it is. The psalmist is telling them, though, that this is not supposed to be a novelty. The psalmist is telling them this isn't supposed to be an abstraction. The psalmist is telling them that this should be the thing that they always do. When he says dwell here, it means to have one's abode and it is written in the imperative. In other words, it's to grab their attention and say, this is what you're supposed to do. You are supposed to live together, rooted together as one, and it is supposed to be agreeable to the senses. Lovely and delightful. Beloved, this is something that you and I should not simply strive for. It is something that we should always be working to ensure is occurring. 
Bonhoeffer said it this way. He said, Christian community is not an ideal that we must realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. The more clearly we learn to recognize that the ground and strength and promise of all our community is in Jesus Christ alone, the more calmly shall we think of our community and pray and hope for it. Did you catch that? It is not supposed to be an ideal. It is supposed to be a reality. How often, though, do we see that? How often? The problem, I believe, that is the major impediment for us seeing that is found in the beginning of verse number three. It's our failure to be able to live it out. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. Mount Hermon was one of the highest points in all of Israel. It was almost 10,000 feet in the air. Some 200 miles away were the mountains of Zion, which paled in comparison to the height of Mount Hermon. And yet, the psalmist says to us that the dews that are on the top of Hermon are the same as the dews that are in the lowly mountains of Zion. In other words, in the kingdom of God, there are no big eyes and little U's. We are all the same. We must remember and keep central in our lives at all times the words of Paul to the Galatians when he said there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And again in Colossians 3, he says, here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. When we look at a fellow brother or sister in the church, we should not see them. We should have the same mindset that God has when he looks at each of us. And what is that? He sees Christ. We put on Christ. We put on his righteousness. And so when we look at someone else, we should see Christ in them. Now how often do we do that? How often? Beloved, we are all, every single one of us, no matter how much money we have, no matter how important we are, no matter what position in society we have, we are all important in God's kingdom. Christ came to die for every single one of us. Our sins are no bigger or smaller. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God and all of us stand in need of a savior. And because of that, we should see ourselves together as one. 
However, our failure as a church, and when I say this, I'm not meaning Grove Park, our failure as the church and the society is that to fail to understand this is costly to the kingdom of God's work in our world. Notice with me verse number two. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. The anointing oil was given by order of God on those who had been set apart to be priests. And the oil was, was what gave them God's unction, God's stamp of approval for what they were to do. Exodus 30 says this, you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, this shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person and you shall make no other like it in composition. It is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever comp compounds any like it or whoever puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. Beloved, our unity is essential because it is, is what gives us the sanction of God to work in our community. And don't you think that if the world ever needed a group of people with the seal of approval of God to go work and bring the message of reconciliation to them, it is now. And so if our unity is what gives us that stamp, that set apart to go out, shouldn't we be working on it? Shouldn't we be always trying to do it? It's more important though for another reason. Not an external reason, an internal reason. Notice with me the end of verse number three. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Beloved, a fractured community of faith will die. Jesus said this in Mark chapter three. He said, and if a house is divided against itself, that house would not be able to stand. Now, let's understand something. When we talk about unity, does that mean that all of us should be going, thinking, doing all the same thing, have the very same opinion all the time? No. No. It does mean that we should all be in agreement about the direction we are going. And that we should all be in agreement that this is where we're going and though we may have a multitude of opinions, we seek and we search out what is the best and we pursue that. 
Unity means that we have one common goal and that is what we are shooting for. And the psalmist says to us that when we are unified, there God commands his blessing, life forevermore. Life forevermore. What does that mean? It's not simply uh, uh, eternal life. No, no, the word life here, uh, when you look at it in the Hebrew, means a continual renewal, like an ongoing revival. And so God says, when you are together, you are in a continuous state of revival, and I have commanded that in your unity. There the Lord has commanded his blessing, life forevermore. And he says, we find this renewal in our unity. It is, I believe, why Jesus in the very last prayer we find him praying in the scriptures in John 17 says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the Lord may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? The Lord is saying two things here. Number one, he is saying that the world gets to prove, gets to be the decider that we are who we say we are by our unity. That they actually can believe the message that we send out to them, be reconciled to God by our unity. But further than that, We see how renewal occurs. Because as they go, we go out, one voice, one vision, one heartbeat, the world is drawn to what we say. And they believe. And what happens when that occurs? We bring new people into the fellowship, right? What's the best way to have renewal is to bring new thoughts into the fellowship. My family is very peculiar about how we celebrate Christmas. Very peculiar. Things do not change. Do not change at all. 
In fact, when we, and they're the same way about Thanksgiving, when, when we had Thanksgiving at our house for the first time, my brother called me and he said, well, lunch will be at one o'clock. And I said, no, lunch will be at three o'clock. And he said, no, lunch will be at one o'clock. And I said, no, it's my house, lunch will be at three o'clock. And he said, we've never had lunch at three o'clock on Thanksgiving. I said, well, we are now. One of the peculiarities of my family is that we never did stockings. We would hang our stockings with care, but they just were hanging there empty the next morning. They never filled them. Never in the traditions of our family had anyone filled stockings. Well then, lo and behold, I went off and married a girl from Maryland. And man alive, they've got stockings. And they fill them. And so our first year together, I gave the most miserable stocking God ever created because I didn't know what to do, what to buy, I didn't have any clue. But you know what my family suddenly liked? Stockings. Because with the Marylander in the house, they all got stockings too. And she was in charge of the buying, which meant it was really good stuff. It was like Christmas multiplied. And now guess what has happened? Suddenly, there are stockings at my house for my whole family. And now, suddenly, my mother has stockings at her house for the whole family, which now means that Christmas has tripled. And it all started because I went off and married a girl from Maryland and brought new life into the family. New ideas, new thought processes. And it has renewed Christmas at the Sanders house. Now, beloved, if God would do that in my little family about something as insignificant as Christmas presents, can you imagine one vision, one voice, one heartbeat for the church and what he would do with people believing our message and they come together for renewal. For there, there, the Lord has commanded his blessing, life, forevermore. E pluribus unum. How hard today are you working to make the many one?
Let's pray. Kind Father, we know that we are made one through Christ. And so, Lord, today I pray that we would all have a fresh vision of what that means. That, Lord, gone from our discussions in our own mind would be how important we think we are or how little we think we have to contribute. And that we would see, Lord, that we all stand as one before your throne. And that, Lord, we would work with one purpose, one heartbeat, not just at Grove Park, but your church around the world. And that the whole world would believe our message be reconciled to God. Father, move amongst us, we pray now, as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.